This month we've been looking at uh, the Advent alphabet, coming from a devotional book that Ray Pritchard uh, printed some years ago, and uh, it's been it's been good, I think, for at least myself. Hopefully, it has been for you as well. And uh, we're closing in on the end. Aren't you glad there's only 26 letters in the alphabet? Maybe we could have squeezed in some more if there had been more. But down to just a couple remaining. Let's bow our head for prayers. We ask God for his special help, his anointing in this part of the service. The touch that is needed right now. Father, thank you for the message of these songs that we've sung together this morning, as well as the message of the song that was just sung. Thank you for your gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. We cry out from the depths of our heart this morning that we want to adore you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have, the welcome that we have to come to you. And Father, as we conclude these, this Advent alphabet with these final two letters, I pray that you would touch us together, give us that anointing together. May your voice be heard in this message this morning. May it be personal to us that we will hear your voice speaking personally, individually, and that we'll respond Pray these things in Jesus' name, and for Jesus' sake, for your glory, amen. The letters of the alphabet represented in words. You might remember them. Maybe you weren't here for them. Let me run down through them quickly. Angels, Bethlehem, circumcision, dwelt. I like that one especially, dwelt. He dwelt among us. East, fullness, in the fullness of time. I love that one. Glory, hope. The end, just. You know, Joseph was a just man. Kingdom, leaped. And John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb. Manger, night, opposed, ponder, question, remember, sign, terrified, until, virgin, wonder, and then the one that shocked us all, X. In the original language, represented, meant, signifies Christ. Now, that doesn't give us the license to use Xmas because we don't speak that original language. We speak English. Let's say Merry Christmas. Let's put up a Christmas tree, give Christmas gifts. 
wish each other a Merry Christmas. We come down to number 25, which would be specifically tomorrow, if we were going through this in uh, the, the devotional that was, um, was given. But it's Christmas Eve, so it's, it's not too early for us to look at this one that is specifically for Christmas Day. The letter Y. What could it possibly represent? We can find the answer to that in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2 and verse number 11. A very familiar verse to us in the Christmas story, and I'm sure that it stands out what Y could stand for in this Advent alphabet. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto you. That's kind of what the song that was just sung was speaking about, making it personal. When he came to me, when I could not come to him, he came to me. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. Pause for a moment and consider who is speaking and who is being spoken to. The shepherds heard these words from the angel. We talked a little bit about it in Sunday school class with the young people for a little bit. And I kind of think that the shepherds would be in the same category as you and myself if we heard if an angel came to us. We would be amazed, we, we would be humbled in the midst of it somewhere. Maybe the word flabbergasted would come into our dictionary right then. An angel would come and speak. These shepherds were not the elite people. We've heard that over and over again. They were not the elite people of, of, of the educated side of town. They were more representative of the poor and the uneducated. Their social order was on the, uh, the wrong side of the tracks. If they had career day at school, the shepherds probably were not the ones represented there to attract attention for people to sign up on career day or to be interested in their line of work. Somebody said that there were many different ways, easier ways to make a living in, in ancient Israel than being a shepherd. So when the angels told the shepherds, to you is born, they were specifically saying that Christ Jesus came for the low end of society. You know, the theologians of Jerusalem didn't seem to care. Those that were in the religious order didn't seem to care. But he came for them too. It wasn't that he didn't come for them. They just missed it. They just missed it. The shepherds received the message and they responded. The shepherds, we understand, were the first ones to hear the good news about Christmas. I don't know about you, but you could probably understand the reality of it here that our Lord came for the forgotten people of the earth. 
the ones that were out on the backside of, of the wilderness. They, they, were, they were the outcast of society. But not only did he come for them, not only did he come for the lowest of society to receive this special announcement from heaven, but so did he come, so some of the elevated of society heard. Do you remember? You know that story, don't you? The Magi saw his star. You know, how do we know that they were on the other side, that they were on the more the elite side? Well, they brought gifts. They brought gold, frankincense and myrrh. I don't know what necessarily how valuable frankincense and myrrh was, but I think that it was, it was relatively valuable. But the gold thing surely jumps off the page at us. If they were carrying gold and they were going to give this gold to this baby that they had never met, there was something significant about them. And there was something special about them. They were not on the side of the tracks that the, uh, that the shepherds were. But perhaps the common denominator here, perhaps the common thread here is the condition of the heart. People that were waiting with, with expectation for him, hungry hearts that were eager for something more, burdened hearts like we can find recorded in the Gospels of those people that Jesus personally touched and they responded to him. That could very well be the common thread that is going on here, not the social status, but the reality of people that wanted and hungered for him. So when the, when the writer here records these words, unto you this child is born, I have no doubt that includes every one of us even in this generation. Every one of us in this generation who is like them in that common thread, eager for his grace and need of his mercy and wants his forgiveness. Any person who will receive him you know, the Scripture tells us that the result or the payout of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of himself that makes a believer in Christ a new creature, creation. It changes. Those shepherds were changed. The magi were changed. We don't really know what all went on with the innkeeper. He's, he, he's only there for a brief moment, but somewhere along the line I have a, I have a feeling. I have, I have something within my heart that says that, that <clears throat> there was a change that took place in his life. How do I know that? Why do I think that was because you can't touch? You can't come in contact with Christ without him changing your life. A new creature. <clears throat> the story's been told of a man that traveled a great distance for an interview with a distinguished scholar. He was ushered into the man's study where he said, uh, Doctor, I noticed that the walls of your study are lined with books from the ceiling to the floor. No doubt you've read them all. I know you've written many yourself. You've traveled extensively. And doubtless you've had the privilege of conversing with some of the world's wisest men. He said, I've come a long way to ask you just one question. Tell me, of all that you've learned, what is the one thing most worth knowing? 
And putting his hand on his guest's shoulder, the scholar replied with emotion in his voice, My dear sir, of all the things that I have learned, only two are really worth knowing. The first one, I'm a great sinner. And the second, Jesus Christ is a great Savior. If you and I know those two things, then we know the best news in the whole world. Because the Savior was born for you. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent a gift wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Jesus is God's gift to you. That's why we sing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. That's why we have within our heart resonating when we sing those words, oh come, let us adore him. Because he came for me. He came for you. Unto you is born this day a Savior. In the midst of all of the celebrating of Christmas, never, never cloud over the reality that the Savior came for me. He came for you. That it was a very personal gift that God gives even to us today. It's necessary that we have an atoning sacrifice the, the blood of bulls and of, and of lambs was not sufficient to cover. It was only a shadow. It was only a temporary. And then Jesus came for you and for me to become the spotless lamb of Calvary to atone for our sins, my sins and your sins. For unto you is born this day. Then we come to the 26th one. The 26th letter in our alphabet, the Advent alphabet, is created with 26, with the 26th letter and the 26th one falling on the day after Christmas. So let's go to Tuesday in our mind. Let's go ahead and move up the calendar. I don't like to push the calendar. It already goes fast enough. But, but for the sake of, the, of the, uh, the message here this morning, let's move to Tuesday just for a little bit, and then we'll jump back. You know, Tuesday dawns, and the hubbub is subsided, and the mistletoe's taken down. The romance of the month is gone. Tuesday. After the big day of the coming of the Christ and the celebration of Christmas, Tuesday, when everything else is, is laid aside and we go back to the mundane, what can possibly be looked at in the letter Z? No, it's not Ziegler. He's of insignificance. When we look at the picture of what is taking place, but we can find an answer to the letter Z in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 9. Reading out of the English Standard Version, it says this way, Go up, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion. 
Herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. What does that mean? What is he saying? What is this, how is this significant in our Advent alphabet? Looking at the name or the, the, the word Zion. Well, Zion is usually looked at as the city of Jerusalem, a city that is set on a hill, a city that is a light to all of those that were around, a city that was called to be a beacon of hope. It was a city of good news. And so we find in this particular word and the reality of the gospel message and Christmas message resonating within our hearts that we see and we hear that we are to herald out the good news and tell it to everyone and to tell it everywhere, behold your God. Isaiah 52, 7, again in the English standard, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And from that verse, we get the song that we like to sing from time to time, our God reigns making it personal to us, the individual, that he came to you, and we find that he reigns, and our God reigns, and we we are to be that Zion that publishes that good news. So the letter Z represents Zion. Go tell it. Share the good news. Arise and let your light shine. You know, these are good words for us. If this is Tuesday, these are good words for us on Tuesday because Christmas eventually ends. Soon enough, you'll take your trees down. Some of you do it on Christmas Day. I don't know why you put it up before Thanksgiving and then take it down on Christmas Day, but that's your, your, uh, uh, you're right. You pack away all of the ornaments and you carry them back to the attic or the basement or the closet, wherever. You use your gifts that you've been given or you might even take them back to the store and exchange them. I know the kids are going to shoot me for this, but here, not too far down the road, the kids go back to school. What am I saying? I'm saying that life returns to normal on Tuesday. It begins. But the biggest question that we need to consider on Tuesday, on this 26th day of the Advent calendar, and thinking about Zion and the proclamation, how, how does Christmas change me or you? Have you been changed by Christmas? Sometimes we hear people talk about they wish that the, the magic of Christmas could stay all year long, or the spirit of Christmas could stay all year long. But if you're referring to the magic of Christmas as as all the gifts and the trees and the lights and and the chestnuts roasting on an open fire, then, then for sure that only comes once a year. But the greater truth of Christmas ought to warm our hearts long, long after the holiday is over. The greater truth of Christmas ought to to change us from within and warm us from within so that it will last all year long. 
you and I can take the words of Isaiah to heart and go back to where we came from. You know, go back to the office, go back to the classroom, go back to the factory, or go back to the neighborhood, or go back to your job, or go back to your family duties, or, or just simply go back to the humdrum of daily routine, but do not go back unchanged. Christmas didn't change the shepherd's circumstances, but it did change their stances. It changed them deeply and profoundly. They had seen the Christ child. In the midst of all of the hubbub of Christmas, and I use the word hubbub, I think, every year because sometimes it just seems to me to be a bunch of hubbub, and I feel like saying humbug. Somebody was asking, name a fictitious character that comes up around Christmas. And somebody said Scrooge. And I said, I'm thinking, no, Scrooge is real. They had seen the Christ. Have you seen the Christ child this Christmas? Oh, we've heard we've heard a number of people comment about the Christmas program this year and how 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 personal it was or how how loud it spoke and and, and touching the message was. We, we've heard it a number of times. Have you seen the Christ child this Christmas? If you have seen the Christ child this Christmas, it doesn't mean that he's going to change your circumstances, but he can certainly change your stances. Your innermost, your foundation, who you are, profoundly and deeply changed. The 26th letter of the alphabet brings us to the end of our Advent alphabet, but it can be the beginning for something new for each one of us. It might be the end, the number 26 letter, Zion, and it concludes this alphabet, but it can certainly be a something of a beginning of something new for each one of us. And you say, well, what could that be? It could just simply be that we go and tell the good news of Jesus Christ, that we bear witness of the change that he has brought about in our lives, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and how it has changed made a change in my life or in your life. Tell the good news. Tell the good news that this good news is not just limited to me, not just limited to somebody else, not just limited to a person over here or a person over there, but it's for all who believe in Him or on Him. May the Lord give us a renewed, a renewed vision. May God help us to have the wonder of Mary and the obedience of Joseph and the joy of the angels and the eagerness of the shepherds, the determination of the magi and the peace of the Christ child. 
May God give us an increased desire to be a bold proclaimer of the good news. May it be that in 2024, the subtle undertones of Wiseball Community Church be that of a Zion. A place of proclamation that Emmanuel has come. God is with us. Well, I get scared. Remember, God is with us. He made his appearance. He came to be that very presence that we need, that very strength that we need. God is with us. And God being with us, we become a shining light in the midst of a darkened world. And that darkness is dispelled because light dispels darkness. For unto you, a Savior is born. So again, let me say, Merry Christmas. Peace and good tidings have come. Merry Christmas. Let's stand together. Let's make it personal. Unto you is born this day. (laughs) Praise God. If you don't know him, if you haven't received his gift, that wrapped baby died on Calvary for your sins, you can know him and receive his gift of salvation this morning through faith, through faith in Christ. Receive his gift, the biggest and the best gift you could ever receive. And I pray that's a reality that you'll receive that gift this morning. You can do it right here if you want to come and pray right now. Nothing better than to closing out the service, letting somebody receive the gift of salvation. You can because Jesus came for you. Unto you is born this day. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for your attention and attendance this morning. Trust God blesses each one with a Merry Christmas. A Christ-filled Christmas. Filled with joy, peace. Praise the Lord. Is every heart clear? Don't forget the service tonight is at 6. You'll miss something if you show up at 6.30. So come be here at 6. Amen. Ken White, would you dismiss us in prayer?